Welcome to On The Verge. This podcast will highlight interviews from entrepreneurs, musicians, and professional golfers. It will center around what tools they have used to help them reach their dreams, how they use golf to further their career, whether it be for escape from the rigors of their profession or to build more business, and how the communitas of wine, music, and golf enrich their lives. This is all about the enjoyment of life, rising above the struggles, and stretching past the best to be better every day. On The Verge. On The Verge is presented by Cure, cannabis used for research and education. The medical industry is steadfastly looking to help millions of patients that suffer from injuries related to repetitive motion, sports, trauma, and many other orthopedic injuries, as well as skin disorders, mental disorders, cancer, and osteoporosis, to name only a few of the other underlying conditions that billions suffer from each day. On average in this country, we have 10,000 people turning 65 every day. With the cost of pharmaceutical medicines increasing, patients deserve natural alternatives that are not only more cost-effective, but also safer for them and society. Cure is focused on providing natural alternatives to aid with current or previous medical conditions. Cure does this by providing a therapeutic properties of natural cannabinoid formulations for multiple uses, whether internally or externally. Ask your physical therapist or your primary care physician if cannabinoids are right for you. Or check out their website at www.curemich.com. Cure, cannabis used for research and education. On the Verge is also brought to you by Green Scene. Green Scene is a family-owned company recognized as the Sizzle Award winner for outdoor living in Williamson County. We design and construct areas to blend with the natural landscape of your yard. That can include outdoor spaces, gazebos, fire pits, outdoor kitchens, and yes, putting greens. We understand the importance of your home. That's why we never settle for anything but the best. Green Scene also provides multiple teams with professional landscape maintenance, irrigation, and outdoor lighting. Welcome to On The Verge. Today's edition will be... uh myself talking about some of the things that are hot in the uh, in the world of sports and in life and uh to kind of create some different different vibe going forward with on the verge i will still be doing long form interviews but i'm also going to be doing things a little differently uh going forward so i'm looking forward to expanding and stretching myself as we look into 2023 with on the verge one of the first things I wanted to discuss today is something that's recently occurred that I, th- as I've found out in a in a coffee club meeting that I've had, is that there are uh, there are a lot of people that are trying to do their best, and we're either not knowing the right people or connected to the right things. Uh, but recently, been. Uh, this group of people we've been dealing with accountants as we're dealing with taxes and things like that. And I saw uh, something on Instagram about a guy who's showing how if you have a trust and you put your everything in a trust and then you you from there you create uh, different levels of uh, holding companies that then you can put your LLCs into. And you actually don't ever own anything, so you're you're paying a different level of taxes, and you're you're able to hold more of your assets. And as a sole proprietor and a person who's doing his own thing in multiple ways, whether it be teaching golf, writing books, doing podcasts, uh, 
uh, credit card processing through I3 verticals, etc. All these things are independently my own businesses. I'm always trying to figure out how to, you know, save more money in taxes by doing things prudently and intelligently with my work. And I recently went to my accountant, and they, I, I showed them this three-minute clip on Instagram, and oh, he's oh yeah, we can we can look into that. And I'm thinking to myself, I've been a client for twenty two years. I've owned my own business since 2000. So this is my 22nd year as a client. And I have to come to you about how to maximize my dollar. So here I am. I'm thinking I'm on an island all by myself that I'm the the stupid one and I'm the the one who's also feels kind of neglected and left out because maybe I'm not a high enough net worth client. And I'm in this group of super successful business people in a coffee club meeting, and everybody's in the same boat. They don't know what's the right thing to do, how to maximize their money so they just keep doing what they've always done, and the accountant keeps on doing what they've always done. And my question would always be, why do I have to go to my accountant with ideas for me? When he clearly knows that I'm a, I'm a sole proprietor of multiple business ventures, and he's not trying to do things that save me money. Which ultimately leads to multiple rants that I've had in many of my podcasts about how our educational system is failing our kids. There are not many things that we absolutely need in our life. But we need to have financial understanding and understanding how to budget ourselves, how to invest in ourselves, how to best prepare our life, our kids' life, and the generations after us to the best of our ability. And why is like less than a half a percent of the world super knowledgeable at something that's actually right in front of our faces? And there are people that have supposedly gone to college for this. And they're not proactively trying to make these things occur. And so that led to a a great discussion. And for all of you listeners out there, and you live in Nashville, if you live in Nashville, um, this club is now getting ready to start a new venture, a new direction. Because all of us have agreed that if it's not going to be done by the educational system and we can't rely on the CPAs and the attorneys and the financial planners to proactively have these things in front of us. And they're expecting us to come up with the ideas and then they provide us with the, the answers to our questions that there are many, many smart people out there that if we put the minds together, we can educate ourselves educate our brothers and sisters, so to speak, to become better at managing our money, which ultimately gives us more more knowledge, more confidence in what we're doing, and it allows us to create possible generational plans for the kids and grandkids that we never meet and know. So what we're, we're going to do is we're going to bring in a business lawyer to speak to us, 
and we're going to give him basically the floor to discuss how to use trust holding companies, LLCs, S-Corps, depending on what type of business you own, how do you set up your business to maximize your profits for all the work that you put in? Then we're going to bring in a CPA that the group agrees provides the best information. And then we're going to have the CPA tell us how to best navigate our investment dollars, how to best allocate our income dollars so that we properly prepare for taxes, but we also properly prepare for, re- prepare for a retirement and investments going forward. And then the third meeting, we're going to bring a financial planner in to help us navigate now that we have a business model for our business to properly fund certain accounts and to do it in a correct way. And we have an accountant who is clearly taking care of our tax burdens while educating us on how and where and why to put the money in certain places. We now have a financial advisor that's going to come in and advise us on the options that we have to invest, to prepare ourselves to be able to maximize the maximum amount of dollars that we have earned to create a better situation for our kids and our grandkids and and all the way down the line. I just believe deep down inside that we can, it's much better to do it this way, like apprenticeship, so to speak. We're going to ask experts to help us and guide us because it's not being done in the mainstream. And for whatever reason, I still can't figure out why the educational system hasn't adapted to the needs of the, of our country, the needs of our, of our world. And we spend our time studying things that we no longer necessary to study. We no longer need to study how to find information. Information is a commodity now. Siri tells us everything we need to know in less than three seconds. When I'm 48, I'll be 49 in November. When I was growing up, if we wanted to figure out why Hitler invaded Poland or what happened when he invaded Poland, we had three different encyclopedias out and we had to research a bunch of different things. Hitler, Germany, Poland, World War II, blah, 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 all these things. Well, now, heck, you could just... Ask the question, Siri's got all the answers. You can find it in no time. To me, we should be moving past our ability to think like we thought in the 50s and begin to think like we need to think going forward. We need to understand how to better communicate with human beings on an interpersonal level, face-to-face. We need to have better typing decorum in email messages, social media messages, because the personal responsibilities of people have waned to near zero. And it's the decay of our country is not so much our politicians. It's our lack of education on what we need to do so that we don't need the government to tell us what we need to do. I really don't think it's a Republican or Democrat issue. I think it's a, if we don't do it ourselves, we have nobody to blame but ourselves. We can't rely on anybody else to do it. And as much as we want to rely on our educational systems to provide it, our educational system is not meeting our needs there. 
So we have to begin to think for ourselves and think for our kids' selves going forward to teach them a new way because the old paradigm is is making us reliant on people that do not have our best interest in mind. So if you're interested in joining the coffee club, if you're interested in learning how to be a better version of yourself, it's going to continue to extrapolate outward after the business law, after the CPA, and after the financial planner. We're going to begin entrepreneurial talks and let other super successful people talk about their processes, their game plans, their systems that they employ that have made them successful and give each person a platform so that we can all learn together. And I decided today, because today we had our meeting, and that would be Wednesday, the 25th. I'm sorry, the 24th. Um, I decided that I'm going to do it. I'm going to take, I'm going to do it. So between myself and the people that were involved, we started this plan and we're going to begin the process of taking the smartest minds in the city and figuring out how we can help each other, make our city better, our family better. And if that is the case, we end up making the world better. Doesn't have to, it doesn't have to impact 8 billion people to know that we're making things better. And I'm super excited about where we're going. So once again, if you're interested in joining us, uh, feel free to direct message me on any of social media or send me an email at virgilherring1 at icloud.com to get involved. We plan on having a website. We plan on videotaping these people so that if, if you are not involved because you're, you live outside of Nashville and you can't get there, you can be a part of something that helps you grow and makes you feel like you're educated and moving in the right direction. I can't stress that enough, how important that is for us to uh, become better at, uh, at what we're doing. The second thing that I wanted to discuss today, and this is we've talked about it a little bit uh, in a couple of different episodes, is what is happening on the PGA Tour and Live Golf and the fascinating pieces that are going on. And without me, have, certainly I'm not involved in any of the meetings. I, I completely get that. But if you're just from the, from the blimp, you're seeing, from my view, a historically narcissistic, greedy person who I happen to be, my, who was my favorite golfer growing up, Greg Norman, who has a deep disdain for how the PGA Tour has manipulated their system to benefit them and not the players. He went to war in 1994. Uh, at that particular point, Dean Meeman kind of took Greg's idea, said no, and then built it, uh, his version of it, which became the World Golf Championships. And that forever kind of stained Greg Norman. And now we get like this 2.0 version, which he's got the Saudi money and the Saudi trust behind him. And therein lies the 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 Greg Norman Saudi piece. Unlimited funds, essentially unlimited funds for the amount of money we're talking about, to get the best players that they can to create a different version of golf that is a little bit more geared toward the future of golf than what has been. The PGA Tour, 
Uh, I have a little bit of experience with the PGA Tour as I was the lead host of a, of a PGA Tour radio show for about 26 weeks in 2014. And we were misled on how we were going to get paid. And they basically lied to us for a half a year. And we ended up, uh, myself, Danny Briggs, and Ed Michaels made zero dollars and zero cents uh, for 26 weeks. And it was, a, it was a lie fest. And basically, as an elephant in the room, they have... Uh, They've definitely made it. They definitely made it difficult. So, when Mickelson comes out with his statements that at first appeared out of line, toxic, and goes in with some of the rumors of how Phil actually is as a person, Phil gets absolutely castigated and basically left to die in golf terms right around February of this past year. So as we come cruising along and time passes, we start to see that the live tour starts to get these big name players. They get Bryson DeChambeau, DJ, Kepka, Patrick Reed, on and on and on, Louis Oosthuizen, Henrik Stenson, they're getting all these big big name players. Now, granted, most of them passed their prime or barely passed their prime. Okay, Kepka's barely passed his prime. DJ's barely passed his prime. DeChambeau is not. Patrick Reed is not. But there's still a lot of good players. Well, the, the urgency then becomes there's more and more people, and we're expecting uh, after the, the final FedEx Cup event at Eastlake to end on Sunday, on Monday, we're going to find out between seven and nine more players are going to live. Uh, I, w- I would expect them to be Adam Scott, Cameron Smith, Mark Leishman, another valuable Australian, which is going to be interesting to see who that is, uh, possibly Hideki Matsuyama, which would be a massive blow to the PGA Tour. If those things occur, that was a precursor to what Mickelson was talking about. Mickelson had to pay a million dollars to have access to his golf swings to promote himself. So the PGA Tour players do not have the ability to use their likeness to promote their own business, which is pretty bizarre. They also claim to be a nonprofit, which is starting to become exposed because when you see that PIP money show up for who has made the most impact on social media, which is obviously going to be set up to benefit Tiger, Phil, Rory, Spieth, et cetera, JT. That's just a slush fund to keep the great players appeased. Where'd that money come from? That's where the, that's where they were going. So then the PGA tour reacts by claiming they're going to build a, a season that is within the season that benefits the elite players, which is exactly what Liv did. So basically, Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour put up a good fight, thinking that they were just going to be too big and they were going to squish Liv, not knowing that there was, too, there was so much money in it that they couldn't say, maybe these tour players couldn't say no. Now the PGA Tour is reacting by basically doing what Liv is doing. Fast forward to last week when they have the big meeting in Delaware. Tiger Woods flies in. Rory flies in. Everybody's there. And it almost looks like the new commissioner's name is Tiger Woods. 
and they're setting up what I think what I just saw here is a 12 event series for the top 70 players, no cut, with massively inflated purses, essentially live live tour numbers. And looks like the PGA Tour is rewarding all the people that have stayed and fought for the PGA Tour. But to anybody else, it just looks like they've just reacted to what they saw. Not really any innovation to it, just basically ripping off Liv's idea. And then there is the part that obviously I can't prove, but I'm intrigued to see if there is. It seems like there is some collusion between the major championships, the official World Golf Ranking, and the PGA Tour to make it so that Liv can't survive. Which then brings the whole lawsuit, the antitrust piece, into it because it seems like there's something in it that smells. If the best, if nine of the top 30 players in last year's FedEx Cup are now Liv players, and that could jump to 17 by Monday. How can those tournaments with the best players not count when they're all playing against each other? Now, I see the qualifications and blah, blah, blah. But it's all, in my opinion, it's all historically old information that's not adaptive to new. I sense there's a level of collusion involved. Because the only thing that could crush or really damage Liv is no official World Golf ranking points so that in two years, nobody that plays on the Live Tour can play in any major championships unless they've won a major championship. So obviously, the Masters and the Open Championship have lifetime ability to play up until 60 or 65. The PGA Championship has some level of guarantee and the U.S. Open only for a couple of years. So at the end of the day, if they can make it difficult to qualify for major championships that that's how they can basically squish live and make it really undesirable for those players to make it onto the major championships. That is a very interesting sidebar to this whole thing. Can they maneuver it so that those great players rounds don't count because it doesn't qualify under a 72 old tournaments and to the field's not big enough. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And I also think it's interesting when you listen, look at the ratings for PGA Tour viewing on CBS, NBC. A very large percentage of the people that are watching are over 55 years old. But if you look at who's watching on YouTube when the Live Tour's on, it's almost all under 40. So it's for the growth department of golf. It is definitely set up for the newer generations. So that is an intriguing, an intriguing piece because the growth of the game is in our youth, not in the people over fifty-five. So I, I'm, I'm interested on that front. And then you bring in this piece that is. I think has been misconstrued. 
for the PGA Tour to come down hard on the fact that this money is so such blood money, Saudi Arabia, and how they've how they've garnered all of this and the things, the horrible things that they've done. And I'm not discounting they've done none horrible things and they weren't involved in the 9-11 attacks. I get that. That's terrible. But they're making it sound like they do not take Saudi money. And that is a lie. A huge lie. A manipulation. So they're talking out of both sides of their mouth because they're taking this money. All of the American corporations that are trying to stand by the PGA Tour are also taking Saudi money or a hefty percentage of them are taking Saudi money one way or the other. But they're acting as if they don't. The United States government has a lot of Saudi money in it. So this is all a farsity. It's all crooked. It's all twisted. And in all actuality, that should be, if we're going to call it out on live, we have to call it out on everything. It just so happens that it's an easy target mainly because Greg Norman is so polarizing and it's easy when it's directly related to Saudi versus indirectly related to Saudis, like all of the other businesses in the U.S. States government and where all the, the money comes for that sponsorships for the PGA tour, how much of that has a little bit of Saudi money in it. That's a unique piece, which is another thing that Phil got absolutely massacred for. And I'm not the biggest Phil Mickelson fan, but generally speaking, it has come basically to fruition that, he was kind of right. And sometimes we might not want to hear that he was right. But the truth is a very interesting, interesting animal. And I, uh, I'm very fascinated to see how this official world golf ranking goes. Because if, if they get points, if they get official world golf ranking points, this is going to be one very, very difficult thing for the PGA Tour to rein in. And I expect them to be in a really big, a really big hurt. And I don't know how they can survive it. Because it'll just be, it'll be basically, of the, if you're talking about the top players in the world, many of them would ultimately look as though they are 50% of the PGA Tour and 50% of the Live Tour have all the best players. And it's just going to turn into more of a a game in which it gets split in half. And ultimately, four times a year, the best players from all the tours will come together to play in a major championship. So it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. One of the new pieces that I've been requested to do um, on on The Verge is I, have, I do not uh, gamble. I do not bet on games. But I have spent many years always talking about it. And last year I had a really good year in my conversational pieces. So I've been asked to kind of give my picks for football, both college and NFL. So college football starts this week and I'm super excited about college football. I believe uh, I'll be shocked if we're not seeing Alabama and Ohio state playing a national championship. Uh, I believe they're the two best teams with the two most talent, and I might even believe, as much as I can't stand to say it, Ohio State might be the better team. But I guess that's what uh, we'll have to find out. And always betting on these early games are so interesting because we haven't seen anybody play yet, and we don't know what we're going to see. 
So it's all just a guess. But let's take a look at some of these games that are interesting. So the first, the first day of games is tomorrow. I'm sorry, September the 1st, next, next week. Next Thursday. We have West Virginia plays Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh's giving seven to West Virginia. I believe it looked pretty obvious that the quarterback at Pittsburgh last year after Cody Pickett went down in the bowl game was not that spectacular. With the game at Pittsburgh, and at seven, that's a good line. I'm taking Pittsburgh, but I don't think that I don't think Pittsburgh's number 17 in the country. That's just my opinion. I don't believe that they're I don't believe they're 17 in the country, and I'm going to be keeping an eye on them to fall early in the season. As we head into what would be considered the big beginning, which is September the third. The big game, obviously, is Georgia-Oregon, Saturday at 2.30. And it is the Georgia Bulldogs given 17.5 to the Oregon Ducks. Georgia's lost a lot on defense, and I'm sure they're reloading. But I think Oregon, early on, early in the season, ever since, even before Marcus Mariota, when Oregon is healthy and they're at full strength, they have been notoriously hot out of the gate. The challenge is that when their best players get injured, the depth isn't there, and they kind of fall off when there's injuries that occur. I think Georgia wins this football game, but I do not think that they win by more than 17 points. So I'm going to take Oregon in the 17-and-a-half that day. Another game that's got two ranked teams – Cincinnati and Arkansas with Arkansas giving Cincinnati six and a half. I believe that the Arkansas Razorbacks are a team to look out for. And I think that they're going to take Cincinnati to the woodshed. And I believe Arkansas is going to make a statement early in the year and put a severe thumping on Cincinnati. So I'm taking the Hogs minus six and a half for sure. And let's take a look at Utah versus Florida at Florida. Utah is giving Florida two and a half in Florida. I don't think Utah goes into Florida and beats the Gators. I'm willing to eat crow on that one. I'm not the biggest Gator fan in the world, but I do not see Utah going into Florida and beating Florida there. It'll be about 100 degrees. I'm taking the Gators to win outright and get in two and a half. I'm taking them over Utah. And then the final big game of the year, I mean of the of the first week of the year, is at six thirty PM on ABC when Notre Dame takes on Ohio State. I believe that Notre Dame is wickedly overrated and Ohio State is the probably the best out of the one A or one B of college football. Ohio State has given Notre Dame 15 and a half, and I think they beat Notre Dame by more than 30. I think it is a massive woodshed thumping that will set the tone for what is about to come. So take it for what it's worth. It's a little, uh, it's an entertainment piece for me. It's been a request that I've received through social media and emails of things that people thought would be fun to talk about and get things going and create some conversation. 
So if there's uh, anything you want to anything you want to comment on, once again, you can hit me up on social media, or you can send me an email, which I've already given out the email, which is virgilherring1 at iCloud.com, to uh, discuss uh, any of those things. Obviously, I'm not Vegas Virgil. I don't have any any connections to the lines, but I've always I've always loved to talk about it, and I've had without any money on the line, reasonable success. So as we uh, end today, I'm going to be uh, beginning the possibilities of transitioning the show to occasionally doing long-form interviews with people, but also providing insights to things that I'm passionate about to help people. And... No, based around the, my passions of human connection, learning to make our life better, as well as it pertains to sports, music, and wine. As you listen to the intro when you come in, I'm, those are my passions. But as I've grown in the podcast and the the great guests that I've had on, I've provided a level of insight into certain topics, it has created more interest that are deeper than wine, music, and golf and sports. So I expect to transition the show from always being long-form interviews to hot topics, important things, to create awareness, to create curiosity, to create questions that force us to become better. And I thank you all for supporting on the verge and everything that I've done. I hope that you have a great week and I look forward to being with you all next time on the verge. Have a great day. Cure is focused on providing natural alternatives to aid with current or previous medical conditions. Cure does this by providing therapeutic properties of natural cannabinoid formulations for multiple uses, whether internally or externally. Ask your physical therapist or your primary care physician if cannabinoids are right for you. Or check out their website, www.curemich.com. Cure. Cannabis used for research and education. On the Verge is produced by Chase Akers. If you've enjoyed the show, leave a five-star rating and write a review. Click subscribe to make sure that you don't miss a single episode.